You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. I'm your host, yet again, Eddie Sun, joined by Reagan Griffin and Julio Martinez, the usual suspects. And for this episode, we're joined by Cam Lewis, special guest of the show, friend of Hoop and Holler. Um, We're doing this episode because it's been a year, 365 days since the passing of Kobe Bryant. And um, I think first and foremost, it's kind of been the dominant headline or, or the thing everyone's talking about today you know, the, the year of his passing. So I think, you know, before we get into other NBA news and, and stuff around the league, it, it probably makes sense for us to address just kind of the overall feeling, just like takeaways of the last year. Um, at least for me, just, just to preface, it feels like it's been such a long time and such a short time. And it almost feels like the death of Kobe kind of felt like it was a whole new year. Like it felt like it sparked 2020. And then, you know, after that, just there's been just a calamity of issues, whether it's COVID and, and NBA postponements or, you know, whether it's stuff happening outside of the NBA world. So it's almost like the Kobe death sparked like everything else we kind of remembered about 2020. And, and, and that's kind of the main takeaway that it's been such a long and short and eventful year at the same time. But I definitely want to get your guys' thoughts and feelings about it. Yeah, uh, me personally... I have not really been, or I haven't been at all on uh, Twitter or Instagram because I just, I don't know, for me, it was just not that, I was not in the headspace of seeing videos, photos of him, you know, Gigi and the other members who were in the helicopter that day. Uh, and you know, I, I just knew that every, you know, social media, uh, account or person, or just a lot of people would post about him and obviously well-deserved because, you know, that that's Kobe Bryant, but you know, me, I, I just kind of chose a different path just cause I, I didn't want to see, uh, all that and remind myself of, you know, what happened that day. It's almost, you know, one of those things where, a lot of people, a lot of older people tell you that they know where they were on 9-11. And obviously this, you know, wasn't the severity of that, but, you know, that was kind of my, uh, you know, Kobe's death was was kind of my, uh, I know where I was at. moment. Um, I know what I was doing. I know what time of day it was. I I know exactly, you know, what was happening. And it's just been a lot. Um, I did catch myself on Instagram, like one second I, I saw, a post of Kobe and I just logged out really quickly. Um, so th- that's the kind of day it's been for me. Uh, just, just trying to avoid a bunch of stuff. Um, but yeah, so heart, heartfelt, uh, you know, love sending love to all the family out there, you know, who lost their loved ones. And obviously the LA community, um, 
and yeah, that, that's all I have to say on that. Yeah, man. Um, I think that memory you talked about, like, where were you? I'm always going to associate that with you, man, because you were the first person I called. I was coming out of the dining hall, and that's when I saw the notification. I was like, I called you, and I was like, yo, dude, is this legit? And you just seemed broken up. I could tell over the phone already. Um, but it's it's one of those things. I, I think I, I look on it not really with sadness, but happiness at this point. Um, unfortunately, death and sometimes untimely death is, is part of life. Um, but when I look back and I think about Kobe, I just think about the joy, man. And right. It's easy to get caught up in what we do and, you know, think about, uh, the, the stress of, of our careers. Right. But when we think about the sport stuff, it really just boils down to what makes us happy. And then the sport always, that's what got us into this and it made us happy. And I think part of the reason, um, basketball makes me happy is because of Kobe Bryant. Uh, I'll always think about the 60 point game and here I am, 17 years old, damn near a grown-ass man, right? And I'm like, I feel like a kid again watching him do that. So um, for me, today's just a day of celebration, right? I know it's a day of mourning as well, but um, I'm one more inclined to celebrate life for what it was rather than uh, mourn the death. Yeah, just like you guys said, um, Kobe's death is something that I'll never forget. I always remember where I was, but really just that entire weekend to me just felt like a movie, like... The day before, LeBron passed him with all-time scoring lists and, you know, Dwight raving about him trying to mend that friendship and, you know, get that back together. All of that's just been a movie to me. And today, I thought I was going to be okay, but it's still fresh for me. Um, I've leaned more toward Reagan's side of, you know, trying to celebrate Kobe's side. I have been on social media. I've, you know, paid my dues to Kobe, thank him for everything he's done for my life, but I haven't really watched any of the tributes. I know, like, The Jump had a two-hour special, but I tried to stay away from all of that because I don't think I'm ready for that yet, but today's just a day of celebration. I was happy to see, you know, everybody still paying their dues and paying their respect to Kobe, but it's still kind of fresh for me, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much with you with the whole, like, you know, remember where you're at, and, you know, like, you talked about LeBron passing Kobe's scoring record, like, I could remember so vividly watching the game with Reagan. And I think you were there, too. You know, the, I think Philadelphia was playing the Lakers that game. And then there was a tweet from Kobe afterwards. And, you know, that ended up being his final tweet, which is, you know, it's so surreal because in the next day I woke up when, you know, Reagan essentially just kept shoving me and, and you know, told me to wake up, like, hear the news. And, I mean, obviously we don't have to go too much further and, and go in circles about it. But it's really just, you know, like, it, it's like you can feel that day. It was, like, so surreal. And... You know, after you heard the news, people went out to Staples Center. There was just this kind of like heavy atmosphere above the city of L.A. And, and at that point, it was just, you know, for me and, and for Reagan, too. And I, and I think for you as well, Cam, right, just like it's been half a year where we've been in L.A. as college students. So it was just such like a I don't know, it was just like an overall like weight kind of put on the city. And, and you could really feel it, you know, with everyone around here. And to think that it's been 365 days again is just like that's crazy. You know, it. it at least to me, it doesn't feel like it happened that long ago. It, it's still really vivid, you know, like just the whole events, you know, that night and then leading up to it. Yeah, uh, it's one of those, like this year was just so long, but everything happens just so back to back to back to back that it went quick as hell at the same time. Um, like, it, it, yeah, I agree. It doesn't exactly feel like 365 days, but then I think about it and it's like, yeah, a year makes sense. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's still... Because, you know, he's not in our day-to-day -day lives like that, so it's hard to really feel it as hard, right? Obviously, heart goes out to Vanessa and the family, um, but, you know, it's it's still, I don't know, it, it hurts a lot just to um, 
think about that he's not here and he's not here to mentor the people coming behind him. He's not here for his family anymore. Obviously, if you're a spiritual person, then he's here in some capacity, but it's not it's not the same. All right. I guess um, there's obviously no easy way to transition this, but to move on to some NBA news happening right now. Um, I know, Julio, you brought up, you know, some trade rumors happening around up in Brooklyn. But I guess before, you know, we, we hit on Brooklyn, let's talk about New Orleans for a little bit especially with Cam on the pod, you know, special occasion. <laughs> There's, I mean, they, they, nah. still have, they still have Zion there. They still have Ingram, but they're also 5-10. and 10. You know, I think they're 14th in the West. Um, I don't know whether they're below expectations or whether people's expectations of them were too high to begin with. But um, news came out today that they're shopping Lonzo Ball and J.J. Redick around, um, which is interesting because I think they've been wanting to play Nikhil Alexander-Walker more, you know, put them in their starting lineup. Um, and then... The news is that I think Golden State reached out or Bob Myers reached out and said, you know, you know, how about Kelly Oubre? Like you want you want disappointing Kelly Oubre for for your disappointing Lonzo Ball. Um, obviously, just feeling out trade offers so far. But I'm wondering how you guys feel about one, you know, I guess New Orleans kind of like half giving up on Lonzo Ball at this point. And then, you know, two, like what trade offer maybe makes sense. Hell, or, how do you feel, bro? Kelly Oubre, Lonzo Ball? How do you <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't. Worry, I don't. I don't want either of those players. But I did say earlier that I, you know, I, I would appreciate JJ Redick if he, you know, if, if Bob Myers has the has the thought of mind to acquire shooters to play next to Steph instead of you know guys who collapse the floor. But that's just me, you know. I I, I think JJ Redick would be a good fit. JJ Redick would be a good fit, literally, you know, anywhere in the league. But I mean, at least for Lonzo, um, I mean, on this pod, I'm probably maybe. By far. Yeah. Probably by far. Like, I probably, I don't want to say dislike, but I've never quite understood the the hype around Lonzo Ball's game. You know, it's like, obviously, you know, he, he's a good passer, um, you know, like, especially at his size, like he can defend in, in certain situations. But all of that stuff, whether it's, you know, like, um, whether it's to Lonzo's fault or not, it really isn't. It, it's kind of blown out of proportion in his first couple years in the league. But, you know, it's like the more you watch him, and the more, at least to me, it's like, okay, it's cool that you raise your three-point shooting to 38% or whatever number it was. But, you know, he's still not hunting his shot, whether it's, you know, the three-point shot, whether it's layups. It feels like he's he would rather pass it to a teammate than take a wide-open layup at times. And I, I told this to Reagan, it's like, you know, for him to be a respected player, he's got to make himself a threat as a scorer because um, the defense is not going to do it to you if you're not going to make yourself the threat first. And it feels like to this point in his career, and it's been four years now almost, it's like he hasn't figured that out yet. And, you know, I think it's a necessary question to ask, like, does he have the necessary mindset or confidence or even skill set to kind of do that? And if he doesn't have it, then he's really not much good in this league. But we know that the potential is there. So, I mean, at least that's how I feel about Lonzo. I think the Warriors would be a really good place for him. Um I remember how much you were caping, right? You were caping for Tyrese of Halliburton in right. Their games are somewhat similar. I know at this point, mm-hmm. I would probably say Tyrese is, I would rather have Tyrese Halliburton than Lonzo Ball. But, you know, you're talking about a secondary guard who's smart IQ, can pass the ball, can defend well. Shot's a little funky, but at this point, it's effective. Um, plus, with the Warriors and outside of Stephen Curry, you don't have that much of an offensive threat. You get the opportunity to blossom, or I guess you have Wiggins, but. That's neither here nor there. You get the opportunity to kind of 
um, be thrown into the fire to some effect as an offensive threat, right? And I think that's the real biggest problem with Lonzo. And anyone that messes with Lonzo's game will tell you he would be so much better if he was just more aggressive as a scorer. And you pretty much just said that, Eddie. Um, we look at what LaMelo Ball is doing in Charlotte. Lonzo Ball could easily be doing that if he wanted to. But the confidence at some point, it just went away from him. But I still think he has the potential to be an effective player. But at this point, it's still just potential. And how long can we be talking about potential when we're talking about NBA players? Yeah, I definitely want to say, Eddie, um, just hitting back on what you said earlier, um, being home for your semester, being in New Orleans, I can definitely tell you that the Pelicans are not playing up to the expectations of the city. I can definitely tell you that. But as far as just the rumors and everything, I'm actually surprised, one, that Lonzo's still here. Um, I thought that after the bubble performance that New Orleans was just going to, you know, wash their hands with Lonzo, you know, going to a contract year, with him being with Clutch, I knew that there would be, you know, some tough negotiations and, you know, everything that went on with Anthony Davis. So I definitely thought Lonzo wouldn't be here. And then with the Bledsoe trade for Drew Holiday, I've never been a fan of that backcourt fit. And that's really has been the Pelicans' biggest problem this whole season. There's no spacing for Zion and Ingram. They both love to, you know, attack the rim. And they can't kick out to anyone because Steven Adams is in the paint and they're kicking out to Bledsoe and Lonzo. But I think Golden State would be a good fit for him. Um, I know you're not a fan of having Lonzo, Wiggins, and Draymond share the same court. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally understand, but I think it would be a good culture fit for him. I mean, we look at Wiggins, some of the same things were said about him, not to the same extent, but questions about his game, his confidence, and he seems to be playing better now. So I think the Warriors would be a good fit. The Pelicans need another wing. They only have Ingram. Um, Kelly Oubre is from New Orleans. So I think it would be a win-win, especially if you guys can steal J.J. Reddick. Um, I, I kind of want to tackle the J.J. Reddick side of things. Um, to me, the three best destinations for him would probably be uh, going back to Philly. That, that, that's definitely up there. Another one would definitely, definitely, definitely be a guy who just went to Philly and he left the Mavericks. I think uh, Luka Doncic, obviously, we, we've talked to lengths about this. But he needs a guy like, uh, and obviously Seth Curry can get his own shot more so than J.J. Reddick. But, you know, it, at the end of the day, they are both great catch-and-shoot shooters in this league. And J.J. Reddick on the Mavericks just sounds like a great fit. And then the other one to me is the Denver Nuggets. No, no I'm sorry, the Utah Jazz. Uh, I, I think, obviously, in the backcourt, uh, coming off the bench, you have Jordan Clarkson, who, yeah, he, he's going to go get buckets for you and score. But you don't have that off-ball type of threat coming off the bench. And I think that would be a good role for him, especially J.J. being 36, I think, now. Um, and obviously, uh, Eddie said they won nine in a row, you said? Utah, yeah. Hottest team yeah, in the league. Yeah, so they're, they're a very hot team in the league right now. And, I mean, if, if J, I mean, J.J. Redick at the end of the day would help your chances if you're the Utah Jazz. Uh, so I think those are the three teams that I would be looking for uh, to be trading for JJ Reddick. How about your own Lakers? I feel like the Lakers. I swore you was going to go Lakers. I mean, of course. Uh, well, I mean, I would love it, but the thing is, I'm not saying I trust Caruso, uh, his shooting percentage, because I think he's shooting something ridiculous, like 58%, which obviously isn't sustainable at that rate. But him, 
KCP, who, yes, I have to admit, is finally coming into He's his open. own, He's playing open. his role, not doing extra stuff, extra stupid, you know, antics or anything, not getting, you know, being on house arrest and, and not being able to play. <laughs> okay, compliment him. This feels like the most backhanded compliment of all time. You're not being the worst human being of all, like, bro. <laughs> I thought this was, like, let's uplift the brother. Um, I mean, shoot. No, no, but in all seriousness, like, Kyle Kuzma is playing in his role, like, great and perfectly. He'll make, like, four straight threes and then, uh, you know, take, like, a heater from half court all of a sudden, which, you know, I'm fine with, uh, uh, you know, every now and then. But he, he's coming into his own. LeBron is shooting the three ball well. So we're we're coming into our own as a team. And it's not that J.J. Redick would disrupt that, but I feel like I'd have to give J.J., for the type of player he is, more time. And I don't think he would get that time on the Lakers. So, yeah. Uh, I would go with the three other teams that I mentioned. Hmm. Yeah, him coming in would just probably take more minutes from Taylor and Clutch isn't going for that. The Lakers are not going for that. So, See, yeah. I, I appreciate that Cam sees, you know, the, the agency team ties going on here. Hey, that's what Cam's going to be, man. He, like, he knows the game. Oh, I, <laughs> if you was, if you was Rich Paul, you're like, I, no, I need my players to play, bro. That That's not going to work. <laughs> I mean, they can't, hey, man. they can't keep politics Cam out of sports. Cam is for a nice contract after this year, so. He has to play. What about the Nets? I mean, I know that's like a <laughs> low hanging fruit. Like everybody's going to the Nets uh, at this point. Yeah. But like, if you had Joe Harris and JJ, just 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 imagine with me: Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, JJ Redick, Joe Harris. Score one fifty. Are, 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 are you trading Spencer Dinwiddie for JJ Redick? Not straight I up. He's hurt all year. Not straight up. I, I would need something else. I would need something else. Maybe like. I, I want to say Jackson Hayes, but I also don't want to say Jackson Hayes. But point being, I wouldn't do Spencer Dinwiddie for J.J. Redick straight up. I would not. I mean, I'll also throw Milwaukee in here because yeah. I mean, Milwaukee could always use shooters. But, I mean, J.J., I mean, like I said earlier, he really fits anywhere. You, any team could use a guy who is a, a, a shooting threat and shooting off movement threat. I mean, period. Every 30, every 30 team could use that. But... I mean, we just talked about Brooklyn, so let's move on to a couple names that are being thrown around as potential candidates that, if they're bought out, could go to Brooklyn, and that is, well, I guess that, that feels like it's everyone from the Cavs, right, Julio? Because you said Andre yeah, Drummond, yeah. you said Kevin it's Love. Andre Drummond. I mean, yeah, you said Andre, JaVale Andre McGee, Drummond. but, I mean. Kevin Love, JaVale McGee. I mean, the fact, <laughs> and it, it's all funny because we make fun of the Cleveland Cavaliers so much for you know, at first they were drafting so many guards and, you know, they had so many guard play and perimeter players. Now they have like, like you know, 20,000 centers uh, on their team and it's like a complete joke. And then, you know, one of their centers came from the Brooklyn Nets and then the Brooklyn Nets, the star studded Brooklyn Nets, the trio that is the Brooklyn Nets lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers in two straight games with, you know, those three MVP caliber players. It, it's like all a joke now at this point. And I really hope, this is my biggest point. I really hope that for the Nets' sake, that all of these rumors, whether it's Isaiah Thomas or JaVale McGee or um, you know Kevin Love, that all these names being tied to the Nets are all you know being done by the media, just like it, it is with the Lakers. You know, the Lakers are always tied to whatever names go on the market, obviously, and that's a lot of times done by the media. I'm hoping for the Nets' sake that that's the case and not 
the Nets actually inquiring about these players. And I know their bench is kind of depleted at this point, but let's not add Isaiah Thomas to the mix. <laughs> let's not add, you know, these random players. Like Andre Drummond, sure. I mean, would he benefit them from a talent standpoint? Sure. But you guys know how I feel about Andre Drummond. I think, he, you know, he's not – that's not a player that I would want on my team at the end of the day. So – I, I just hope for the Nets' sake that they're just not shopping around. Oh, that guy's good. Yeah, he'll fit good on my team. So um, I really hope that they're not doing that. If we had to pick one guy that we could see or we would hope, like if we were Nets fans, we would hope that we would get within reason, right? Who would that guy be? A little creative exercise for y'all. Get the get the brains working a little bit. Like anyone that can be bought out, or anyone, and anyone that you know, whether it's by trade or bought out, um, with the trade assets that you currently have, within reason, who who would you want the Nets to get? Ooh, that's kind of tough. I feel like it has to be a center, right? right? You know? Yeah, I, I I didn't want to like just throw out a name, but I was gonna say the same thing. It has to be a center, like right. that's probably me. I mean, Al Horford, maybe if mm-hmm. OKC wants to take on like his huge contract and buy him out i think kevin love would be kind of cool because kevin love always seemed like he wanted to move to new york or be like a, a new yorker given the way he dresses and stuff um so that would be kind of interesting but i mean brooklyn really doesn't need anyone like if we're being honest it's just all it's all just added luxuries for them so i mean shoot the way like obviously okay, we like I, to... I have a name okay. i have a name and they should have done it when they traded for Harden. Maybe they come back and they try to get PJ Tucker. Okay, well, I, don't, I don't know how they only did that trade and only got Harden back and gave everything up and didn't even get Tucker or anything back in return. So maybe PJ Tucker. That that's a good nice. name. That's, that's a good nice. name. Yeah. See, this is why we brought you on, Cam. This is why we brought you on. <laughs> but um, no, that's definitely a good one. And I like how you think that. That's Eddie's two K logic. That he's a center. I mean, shoot, that's Daryl Morey's real life logic as well. Do you, do you do you think I'm not a big fan of this player, but you know I, I've heard of Orlando's willingness to get off of him, and um, that's Aaron Gordon. I think that would be immaculate. I I think because Aaron Gordon to me is hooping right, especially this year. He's he's he seems like if he gets out of Orlando, he would be able to take a pretty decent leap forward. Uh, I think that situation is just kind of tough for him, especially with the lack of shooting. Um, but if he were to go to the Nets, I think that would be he. We we would see some stuff from Aaron Gordon we haven't seen to this point. I believe. I think if they could pull that one off, that would be crazy. I would. If you yeah, ask me, I, a guy who I would agree. I trade Spencer Dinwiddie straight up for? I'd I trade Spencer Dinwiddie straight up for Aaron Gordon. I would. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Everything Reagan said. I wish we also shouldn't gloss over the fact that Cleveland is pretty kind of sneaky good this year mm-hmm. and i know like reagan talked about darius garland on many episodes Hooping. but he's not even playing so like they're good in spite of i mean in I'm spite ki- of I'm kidding, I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding but i mean larry nance all of a sudden is getting you know some love as the most underrated player in the nba or whatever mm-hmm. which i mean he's been underrated forever because everyone thought all he does is jump but you know he doesn't lakers fans i mean we knew Cleveland won't do it, but every contender in the league should be trying to get Larry Nance. Every single mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I mean, it's interesting because if the price is high enough and they're like, I'll throw you a first and then something. like that. You know. Honestly, that would be a good... Uh, although, Jav- 
you know, for for all the jokes that JaVale causes and for all the, you know, people that make fun of him, and deservingly so, like, he, he just acts stupid sometimes. Like, the other day, he did, like, a between back between the legs at half court, took one dribble, looked like Giannis, and dunked it from the free Bro, stop saying that. We have to stop that narrative that JaVale McGee, when he tries to go coast to coast, is just Giannis, bro. We can't keep saying that. Come on. And, and um, it, but at the end of the day, I don't, I do think, you know, obviously he has shown that he can be a championship player. Um, a backup center at that, it, you know, what he showed with the Lakers the past two years, I, I think was moderately impressive for, for JaVale. But I do think Larry Nance would be a great fit with Brooklyn and not that the Cavs want to get off with him, but if you offer enough for him, I, I think they would be willing to. I mean, Larry Nance would be a great get anywhere. Um, just shout out to him, you know, leading the league in steals and deflections and, yeah. and having active hands. And, you know, I mean, he's really what a lot of teams should want in a modern day five, because, you know, he doesn't have the requisite size. Maybe you want, but you know, he'll defend forward and center positions you know, he's versatile. He passes the ball. He's one of the Very better well. passing bigs in the league. And then, shoots. I mean, yeah, now, now he's got a three-point I mean, shot. I mean, at the end of the day, teams, you know, teams should just be going for the guys that the Lakers draft late in the first round and in the second yeah. round, That's essentially. True. Essentially. That's true. You can't you can't disagree with that at all. Um, speaking of the Lakers, though, let's move on to this before we end the show. Um, tomorrow, or I guess by the time this episode released, releases it'll be today but um the two best team in the league play today i guess the lakers and the sixers on espn so i think this is interesting because i think in in any normal circumstance you know without the kobe news today like in all of that this might be a little bit more hyped you know you might see a little bit more kind of like attention from an espn network or whatever you know talk about again the two best teams in the league going head to head against each other and there shouldn't be any injury concerns. I think LeBron is questionable, but he'll probably play. Joel's going to play. Um, this should be pretty good, I think, right? Because Phillies look really impressive, you know, as, as the team in the East, like I thought, you know, the best team in the East. And then the Lakers, of course. I mean, you guys know how I feel about the Lakers. So, um, I don't know. I guess, is there is there any hype for this game? Like, are, are you intrigued Hell, by it at all? I mean, Hell yeah. I, I didn't even know that they were playing. Uh, to be honest, See, like, that's my whole um, point. It's like no one's even talking about it, but yeah, it should be a premiere. Yeah, matchup. but I, I, I guess I am excited to uh, j- just from hearing how well the Sixers are doing this year. I have not watched one game from them, so I am very, very, very curious. Uh, LeBron coming off uh, last night, or if people listening on on the day of the game two nights ago, man scored forty. I think it was forty four against the Cavs. He looked forty six. I mean, it, it was it was like, whoo, it, obviously he's going back to Cleveland, so that probably energized him. Maybe you know on the heels of, of uh, the Kobe, you know, one year anniversary, and just everything piling on, he just showed completely out, and I expect a, a performance similar to that uh, tomorrow against Philly. I mean, it's hard not to look at this game, and anyone who follows basketball in depth knows that it's not just a one-on-one game, but it's nearly impossible not to see right off the paper, right? Ben Simmons, LeBron James, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis. Those two matchups are going to be fun to watch, um, particularly with the way Joel Embiid is playing this year. And Anthony Davis, even he says that he's been struggling as of late. 
Um, and Joel Embiid's been on a fucking roll. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes down the post. And obviously, on the perimeter, um, Ben Simmons defending LeBron James is going to be pretty fun to watch and vice versa. If LeBron decides to defend, which he probably won't, let's be honest. But um, Yeah, I, I really want to watch Montrez Harold just get in Joel Embiid's head. He won't. That, that, that's what I'm looking forward he to. Won't. Yes, he will. He I mean, won't. you if, know how soft Joel Embiid like, like how if, if Montrez no, is guarding on. Joel, he's getting he's getting <laughs> he's getting. No, there. I mean, I'm, I'm he, trying to. He doesn't, he doesn't have to guard Joel. He can just push like he can just get matched up on him on a box out and just elbow him in the stomach. No, bro. I, I, bro, why do you head. think ba- basketball don't work like that, bro? Why do we just bypass the rules for Montrez Harrell? We did last year. He was on the Clippers. We can't just. Do, I'll keep the same energy, bro. I'm not. I, I was mad at the fouls when yeah. he was on the Clippers. I don't like him when he's on the Lakers. We can't just call fouling good defense, bro. And it's like Montrez has stepped up his game defensively this year. He's actually like moving his feet pretty well. I think that in regards to last year, I didn't think he was a good defender at all. This year, he's like average to decent. Um, but like, they, come on now. He's not like Montrez can't hold a cup of water defensively to Joel Embiid. I use my one cuss word for the episode, so I'm trying to tone it down. But like. He's S I S H I T T I N G on all all day. Like Montrez better not get matched up on Joel. All right, o- over under Joel Embiid, and I'm not saying he's gonna guard him, but I, I obviously you know AD, Marcus, all other guys are gonna get matched up on Joel. But Joel's stat line over under. Let's do twenty six and thirteen. I'll say under thirteen, over. but over twenty six. I'm gonna go over. I'm going over. He's 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 dropping a cool I thirty. Mean, uh, let me throw this question to you, Cam, because I feel like he's getting a lot of MVP love so far. But has he played like the I don't know front runner for MVP so far this season? Yeah, um, Reagan and Julio saw everything that I was really going to say about the game, but that was the last thing I was going to say. I mean, Joel to me has been on the MVP run the whole season. Um, I for like the last three or four years have been a big Joel Embiid fan and I just got tired of Joel not being Joel consistently and I was like slowly just you know fading away from my fandom with Joel but this is what I expect from him on a nightly basis so yeah I I do think that he's on the MVP campaign so I'm very excited for tomorrow's game LeBron like Julio said I think LeBron had like 46 he went to the line one time that's ridiculous and he's shooting like 41 from three um so now he's trying to be Stephen Curry I guess but um yeah I'm very excited for the game tomorrow we have two MVPs Joel's on the tear Anthony Davis even though he's been you know not Anthony Davis on the offensive end he's still been on his defensive player of the year tour supposed to be his you know back-to-back run but it's a different story I mean but yeah yeah, yeah. I'm gonna touch on two things really fast. Uh, that, I mean, you guys know my issue with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid should be should have been doing this. I mean, obviously not since his rookie year, yeah. but for the last three years. And I mean, I no. Him. And you think I, you guys, right? I can see Reagan. Bro, I'm just sitting here. I'm listening. I'm not even making a face. I, 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 I know he thinks I'm hating, but bro, Joel Embiid has all the skills, all the tools, the body, the movement the ability to shoot and he just like gets in his own head and that's what's frustrating about him. So, I mean, obviously if he continues this, continues his play, he'll, you know, he'll be a front runner for MVP. And then my, the other thing that I want to touch on is AD. AD hasn't been looking like AD of last year. And it's purely with 
him not being aggressive. I think what I said last year, what I got from Skip Bayless, actually, I I don't want to quote uh, Skip Bayless too often, but he's definitely right on this, that AD plays well every four games. He'll have like, you know, 17, 21, 20 point games, and they all look kind of bad. It's almost like those Kawhi games when Kawhi drops 35 and you're like, where did he get 35 from? You, you know, it, that, that, that's kind of how AD plays. AD gets his points off putbacks and, you know, he goes to the free throw line a lot. And then all of a sudden he ends up with like 25 some nights. And then one night he'll drop 40. That's just how AD plays. He's not, he hasn't been aggressive. He hasn't, you know, trying to get his own as much as I would like him to. And he, again, he needs to start off the game by attacking the rim. That's how he, that, that, that's the most aggressive AD. That's the best AD. That's the best version of the Lakers um, when he's aggressive from the jump. Now when he's shooting threes, he has that Joel Embiid kind of effect too sometimes where he falls in love too much with the three at the beginning of the game. Grow into it. So that, that's my only beef with AD. But, you know, other than that, I, I'm excited for the matchup. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, all I know is that I'll definitely be tuned in because at least to me, like these are the two maybe not the most talented, but just like the most intriguing roster constructions, you know, in, in the league, just on my part, when, when you just, when you think about how similar these two teams are, are kind of built, I guess, um, I'll, I'll definitely be tuned into that. Um, I guess that's it. Any last words? I mean, I was, I was going to address the MVP thing, uh, just real quick to, as I wouldn't say Joel beats the front runner in my eyes to me, it's like really, 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 really close between Stephen Curry and LeBron James. And I, to, it bro, can't be LeBron. I'm sorry. It why can it not LeBron. be LeBron? Le- no, no. I, the aliens, it. Julio. <laughs> the aliens. Cannot, Who are we giving it cannot, them? It cannot be LeBron. Why Look, not? Here, here's the issue with LeBron, and I agree that Steph should definitely be up there, if not one, one if not two. Um, the issue with LeBron is that you know I, I've watched almost every game. I think I've missed one or two games. He puts up stats like that. That's just what he does. And I'm not saying that they're meaningless, but that, that's just what LeBron does. He puts up stats and, and you just watch him the whole game. Like, uh, and maybe, you know, people would use this in an argument for him because, you know, LeBron stands love to twist everything in, in their favor, but it, he's, he's not trying and, and you should see him on the defensive end. He's just not good. He, like, the refs literally let him foul. And, and that's coming from a Lakers okay. fan. I love to see it. I love, to see <laughs> so it. I love that. You know, I love that for I, us. I love it. I love it. Tr- trust me. But all his strips, all his steals, he, he pushes the hell out of his, you know, out of his opponents. He he hacks like crazy. And maybe, you know, because he gets hacked too on the other end sometimes. But he's also like a flopper. But point is that LeBron is not playing as well as his stats Scream. Are you sure like, you're a Lakers fan? Are we sure? Like, I know you're wearing the jacket right now, and I know, like, we were at your house when they won the championship, and we were all celebrating, but are like, are we sure? Because you sound... I mean, I mean, I mean ju- just because I'm a Lakers fan doesn't mean I have to be, you know, completely devoted, and I can't be objective. Yeah, and, but and, there's a middle you know, ground, Steph too, because y'all have to be sounding not, like some... Like, LeBron not even, not even hooping like that. He just fouls on defense. He's not even good. Like, yo, come on. It's not even... And, and look, sorry, sorry, Cam, but really quickly, LeBron was averaging, like, 27 minutes per game. Like, that... 
Come on, come Giannis on was averaging and, what twenty eight. And the and the other and the other stat or uh, the other point was Steph. You can't even compare him to Steph right now. Steph's team. I know you thought they were going to be an A tier team, and you did too, Eddie. And I don't mean to call you guys out, but yes, you I do. Mean, his teammates are garbage. <laughs> yes, like just pure utter. Garbage. Except for Draymond. Like, I'll matter of fact, I'll concede that Curry is ahead of LeBron in the most valuable player race. If you concede that the reason, or at least a strong part of that reason that Curry is ahead, is that Draymond Green is now back on the court. (laughs) What? Yes, 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 bro. We've, I mean, we've hashed this out before. I don't want to. We're towards the end of the episode, but yes, like. You, bro, am I tripping? Was there not like a magic wand once Draymond stepped on the court? Like, I mean, one game later, he he's been okay. Like he's been no, Draymond. It's literally fast. The it's second fast. he got out there, it was like a, it was a brand new I, step. I've been saying it since the first game. Like, yeah, the numbers are not there with Draymond, but like Steph needs him on the court. Like, it's a whole different basket. <laughs> and I, I love Steph. I'm not saying like you know he needs Draymond Green to succeed, but. It was tough out there without Draymond. Like Draymond's important. Okay. Like, really? Is it tough without Draymond? Yes, because his other teammates are like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> all Draymond does, literally, all Draymond does, he knows uh, uh, Steve Kerr's, I guess, system on the floor maybe better than anyone. And so for those newcomers, he can teach them a little bit. But all he's there for is to scream at James Wiseman. <laughs> Good. <laughs> like, yes, that scream at James Wiseman. That's going to help him. Like, that. that's like literally. Oh, so, I, I, so, so you like it when he does it, but you don't like it when no, I No, I don't like it when you do it from the TV screen. It feels malicious. I know Draymond is go, is going to help James Wiseman. You're not helping James Wiseman tell and, him he just looks stupid out there. And here's my, And here's my thing. They got audio from like twice where he screams at James Wiseman and, you know, these social media uh, accounts who are run by people who have never played or don't know the game of basketball. They're like, bro, Draymond spitting that wisdom to James. He literally just told him to attack Marcus Gasol because Marcus Gasol is slow on his feet. You don't have to be a, a effing wizard <laughs> to, to know that. Like, I'm tired of people giving Draymond like – like IQ props because what do you mean you're tired of you're tired of people giving Draymond I maybe not that specific instance sure but you gotta admit Draymond I would argue top five IQ player in the NBA top five IQ player Steph Braun KD I mean Kyrie Luka Luca, James Harden. I'm putting he, I'm putting Draymond over Kyrie. I'm putting him over um, KD. KD. I damn near put him over Steph. I damn near put him over Steph. Oh my god! In IQ, IQ alone, yeah. I think I yeah. I he's top five, but he's definitely like one of the smartest players in the league easily. I, I he's think, putting up average, but the impact is elite. Like you can't. You can't argue that. Like. You can't. You can't. I mean, I, I think Bron, I think Rondo, I think CP3. I put Draymond right in that company of people, bro. Right in that company of people. Because usually when we think about IQ, a lot of people associate that with strictly offense. But defensive IQ, Eddie, you go ahead and get on your soapbox, man. Like It's like, you're like I, I hear this like on a nightly basis, damn near. The dude is fucking elite, bro. He's elite. But real quick, I did want to go back to the Lakers just because I wanted to piss Julio off real quick. Julio sounds like my grandpa. Watching the Lakers this year has been like dreadful with my grandpa. 
I don't know if it's me, you know, having a little Clipper syndrome or whatever. I hope it's not, but I'm not really worried about the Lakers. Like, I'm not worried about how yeah. John looks defense right now. I'm not really worried about ADs up and down games. I mean, we had like a month and a half off. Everybody else had, you know, some extended time. I mean, the Lakers are chilling. I mean, and we're ten and zero on the road. Like everything's not bad. We'll be fine by the time you know the season really picks up. So, I, I, the the biggest thing for me uh, is effort, and I know that's going to come with you know uh, uh, high more more games that are higher stake. And yeah. we're just not trying out there. And it's very frustrating to watch because it makes for games to be, you know, they start off slow. They get, like, five turnovers in the first two minutes. Marcus Saul, Marcus Saul for his high Q-ness, whatever, always gets in foul trouble. And it's the most frustrating thing. He gets, like, three fouls in the first quarter. And it's like, bro, yeah, happy life, we don't have any centers behind you. Be smarter. Come on. But whatever, whatever. I will, right. I will say with the Lakers, it definitely feels... And with the Clippers, you talk about Clipper syndrome. The difference for me is that the Clippers just kind of had this aura of entitlement that A, was like unwarranted because they hadn't done anything yet. But it also felt like, you know, they're not trying because neither were like the Lake, the Clippers last year weren't trying. The Lakers this year clearly aren't trying to the extent that they were last year. But the Clippers not trying really felt like a... We don't really have to try. We're just that good. Right. The Lakers are just like, we don't really feel like trying right now, but we will when we want to. You know what I mean? That's what I feel like the difference right. is, is that, you know, the Clippers just right. were we, entitled. We, we've earned it. The, the goal was achieved last season. So we can come into that season, you know, like that, mm-hmm. not trying, you know. Well, welcome to the welcome to and, the KD Warriors and, experience. <laughs> and, la- and and last thing, when Steph, uh, no, if, if Steph's team was still a little bit below five hundred, I would still have him in the MVP conversation. That's how bad his teammates are. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, don't forget KD too. KD is in the MVP conversation. KD definitely should be yeah. there. KD is. Yeah. I will yeah. eat my words on KD. I, I will do that. Put the, put that out there every episode he gets eighth. brought up. I guess eighth but, was it eight or nine? I forget. Nine. Oh my god, Eddie. Oh, I mean, I don't want to you know drag the episode any longer, but I will say that the players that are recovering from serious injuries this year, given that they've had like eighteen to twenty four months off, um, I don't know whether this is going to be something you know training staffs look into in the future, but. It it's it's just so different than the players who just take a year off and come back. Like, I mean, it's not, it's, it's kind I mean, of it just it's seems kind of, kind of obvious though. It's not rocket science exactly. Like oh yeah, geez, more obvious. time to recover but, from my injury and I'll be healthy. Like, like like when Kobe came back, you just knew like oh, yeah. bro, you're coming back. But the thing is like soon. that's what we've knew that's what we've known from every Achilles injury. I mean, ACL is a little different because yeah. technologies and and rehab practice has been better. But like Achilles injuries, like no player has ever looked similar, you know, to to pre Achilles injury. So. Again, and, and we haven't seen players take two years off and come back or, or one and a half years off. So, I mean, to me, it's just, it's amazing because, I mean, Katie looks like better than ever, really. And, I mean, that's great yeah, for you know, him. You know, it's, it's, it's really fun to watch. I mean, I think the biggest advancement, right, and I'm no expert, but to me, at least in my rehab experience with my leg, is that there's so much more emphasis because usually the emphasis in, in older times would be let's strengthen this area, right? Let's get it back strong. But now it's not just about getting it strong, but flexibility, 
balance, all the sorts of mobility things that you need to have. I think there's a lot more emphasis placed on those sorts of things, not just being stronger, um, as strong as you were, but also able to use it the way that you were able to use it before. I think that's where the difference lies. And, you know, obviously having more time to recover from the injury is never gonna hurt. Like take as much time, NBA players, take all the fucking time you need. I went over my cusp quota, but I take all the time that you need to recover from your injury so we can have you back the way you were, bro. Please, like that's that's the number one priority, bro. Number one priority. All right, I guess before we start going into a, a, a field of study that we're not <laughs> experts in, um, I think I think that'll um, I think that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. Um, Cam, as always, appreciate having you on, friend of the show. Dessert. I think he's frozen the Zoom right now, but I mean he he, he gets the message no, anyways. He's just focused. <laughs> but again, that'll do it for the show. Uh, make sure to follow the socials on. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at SQR1Hoops. Um, I don't think any player has had a almost great game recently, but you know I'm always <laughs> I'm always on the lookout for that. Um, and then of course, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.